This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. There have now been three incidents involving TTC streetcars and pedestrians since the beginning of October. Two of them were fatal. Overnight, a man was hit by a streetcar in Roncesvalles Village. He was taken to a trauma center for treatment. And the good news is he is expected to survive. Monday evening, a man was killed after being struck and pinned by a streetcar on Queen Street, west of Broadview. And last Friday, a man who was pinned underneath a streetcar at the Queensway in Ellis on October the 1st succumbed to his injuries. Does this indicate a trend? The TTC says no, but back in June, a published report revealed that streetcars account for half of deadly TTC collisions with pedestrians and cyclists. Uh, We want to hear from you. Uh, Do you take extra caution when you're getting on or off a streetcar or you're near them? Uh, What's your reaction to this? A lot of our listeners uh, are really worried about this as pedestrians. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. I'm here with Stacy Kumaralis, who is a personal injury lawyer, who has represented, as she says, too many of these victims. And on the line, Brad Ross, Executive Director of Corporate Communications for the TTC. Welcome to you both. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Hi, Libby. Thank you. Hi. Okay, Brad, let's start with you. Uh, what's what's up with uh, these terrible, I won't even call them accidents, collisions, injuries? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't use the word accidents, actually. It's very tragic, needless to say. Uh, we have had a, a cluster of, of three incidents, as you pointed out, in uh, in about a week, and that's three too many as far as we're concerned, regardless of fault. Um, we can always learn from, from these, and, and we do. Um, there's a number of things that we uh, are doing right now, in fact, with uh, external cameras, and we, we had a public consultation last night, and external cameras, once they are activated on our buses and streetcars will help us greatly in understanding objectively what happened and then allow us to take that away and uh, and, and perhaps use it in our training and, and, and find ways that, you know, that, that, that maybe something is happening out there that, that we haven't really gotten a hold of uh, and that this would, uh, uh, that, that, that seeing Surely what the numbers would help us, uh, seeing what happened would allow us then to, to perhaps do something differently. I don't know what that would be, Libby, but but uh, all I'm saying is that external cameras will, will help in investigations and, and then uh, prevention down the road. And uh, I guess uh, help with determining uh, how much liability you have, but surely with the numbers of these incidents that you've had so far, you must have some idea. 
Well, we've had, uh, in the last decade, there have been uh, 30 fatalities involving uh, buses and streetcars. Um, so that's, you know, in the last 10 years. In the last year in the city, there have been about 30 pedestrian cyclist fatalities involving automobiles. Um, you know, far too many. But I want to, you know, I think some, some context is important with respect to the TTC. We travel 250 million kilometers annually on the roads, and um, we have professionally trained operators. And, uh, and yes, we learn from every incident, and we, we, we are defensive, and we do everything uh, we can possibly do to, to prevent uh, collisions with pedestrians and, and cyclists. We have, um, you know, information and education campaigns that talk about the size of streetcars, the fact that they're on fixed track. They can't swerve. They don't have the stopping uh, distance. Uh, they, they have a long stopping distance, unlike a, an automobile. And so um, we need to remind people about their their heft. That crossing mid-block is, is, can be dangerous. And we ask people to, to always use signalized intersections and crosswalks. That's why we've moved our streetcar stops, in fact, to uh, signalized intersections and crosswalks to, okay. to help reduce the number of, of mid-block crossings, for example. I'm going to bring Stacy in. Uh, what's your response to what Brad's saying? First of all, how many of these clients have you represented? I haven't kept track of them, Libby, but too many in the last 12 years, for sure. Um, I, I appreciate Brad's comments on um, the number of fatalities there are, but certainly he has better statistics when it comes to how many injuries there are. These injuries are catastrophic, and um, they're absolutely tragic. Um, so I'd be interested to hear what uh, Mr. Ross says regarding how many accidents involving catastrophic injuries there were in the last decade. Um, also, I did want to address his uh, comments about the external cameras. I think that's wonderful. Um, I would question why this hasn't been done before. We are aware that there's internal cameras, and it's happened more than once when those internal cameras suddenly malfunctioned or didn't catch the incident, and it's concerning. It's concerning for the public safety. It's concerned for personal injury lawyers, for injured parties. Are you suggesting that they didn't catch the incident on purpose? Well, no, I, I can't imagine that somebody would you know, discard any sort of um, investigate, uh, any sort of surveillance cameras, but certainly that's a problem. And I wonder why um, Brad feels that an external camera is now going to be somewhat more uh, reliable in terms of establishing liability. Are you saying that the internal cameras are not sufficient enough? The, the internal cameras do not capture, other than peripherally, what may be happening out on the street. An external camera... Uh, front-facing, side-facing, and rear-facing is essentially a 360-degree view of, of the vehicle will allow us to, um, to, 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 to you know, see what exactly happened, who, you know, uh, who ran a red light, for example, or walked in front of a vehicle or uh, pulled out uh, unexpectedly where it caused our streetcar to have to go into emergency brake where somebody falls on the vehicle uh, and injures themselves. Um, so, so, you know, the, the, there was information and, and Privacy Commissioner asked us to do this public consultation for these external cameras, and that's what we did last night. The internal cameras have captured a number of, uh, of, of instances that occur on our vehicles, criminal, for example, uh, assaults, 
assaults on our operators, assaults on customers. Occasionally, they do see uh, peripherally if something occurred, but but that's not their that wasn't their purpose. The external cameras will assist with and and let me be clear we're not looking to 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 fight people who have a legitimate claim but we do see uh fraudulent claims that come to the TTC all the time and we have an obligation to protect uh, public money and so these cameras will assist with that as well uh one of the things you were telling me earlier Stacy is that when there is an injury that the TTC driver's first call is to their supervisor before they call 911. Yes, that's been my experience. I don't understand why that is. Well, actually, that's that's not correct. The first call is to our transit control center, who then call 911. We have a a, a control center that, that is the center of all that we do. And so uh, the operator doesn't call 911. Our transit control center does, and it's an immediate call. Same thing on the subway. If you press the emergency alarm, it doesn't go right to 911. It goes to our control center so that we have a record of what is going on so that we can dispatch 911. So that's, well, what's your that's how it works. They don't, they don't call a supervisor. They call our control center. I understand that they also call a supervisor. Now, whether or not that comes right after the 911 call or before the 911 call, we've all seen the supervisor's truck next to a bus or well, Of course. A the supervisor shows up at, at any incident. That, that, right. that, that goes without saying that. And, are- Brad, the supervisor... Uh, takes the liberty of getting all statements and yep, getting absolutely. evidence immediately. And you're aware that a plaintiff that's seriously injured in an accident does not get access to any of that information until much later. And often several years later, we're tracking those witnesses down for a seriously so, injured party is sure. virtually impossible. I, I'm not, uh, Libby, I'm not clear on what this conversation is about. Are we debating accident claims and, and, uh, well, and, um, and, and litigation? Because that's not something that I'm prepared to talk about. There are processes. Of course, there are processes that we have to follow, and we follow those processes. Um, and if there is disclosure to be provided, that's, that's the process that is, that is followed. That doesn't just, that's not just the TTC. That's, uh, that's everybody. And so, as I said earlier, we're not in the, we're not in the business of fighting people who, who make legitimate claims. We're in the business of ensuring that everybody is safe, and that if there is a claim made, that, that all of that evidence is gathered to ensure that uh, that, that there isn't um, uh, benefits fraud going on. And because, to be quite frank, that happens quite a bit with the TTC. People think that we are a money pit, uh, and that they will make uh, claims that are that are illegitimate. And these cameras will do a number of things, including assisting us and assisting the courts and ensuring that those claims are indeed legitimate. Uh, what have you done in terms of driver training to avoid this type of... I mean, for, for some reason, the, the streetcars have these incidents, injuries at twice the rate of buses, which cover a lot more ground. Well, actually, the, 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 the split is actually 50-50. Um, but regardless, we train our operators to be uh, defensive drivers at all times. So take Queen's Key, for example. We know that a number of cars oh, make yeah. their way onto the right-of-way um, for a number of different reasons. And so our operators uh, have... Uh, have have training to to uh, keep an eye out for that to go slowly through uh, areas where where cars are prone to be on the right of way to constantly looking to be looking out for pedestrians uh, for automobiles that may be pulling out it's about defensive driving um, it's about um, being part of the vision zero task force that we are as part of the city we can as I said we can 
continually and we do continually learn um, from 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 collisions whether they're non-fatal or not um, our objective as as an organization is to be the safest transit system we can possibly be and we continue to strive for that um, operating a streetcar in mixed traffic comes with uh, incredible risks there's no doubt about that and so we have to mitigate those risks and we do that with training okay i'm going to bring in pat Hello, Pat. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, I have some personal experience on a number of these issues. 65 years ago, I was on a uh, TTC. 65 years ago? 65 years ago, yes. Uh, I was nine years of age, and the TTC uh, streetcar hit a lady. Uh, She got scooped up by the undercarriage. I think they used to call him the cow catcher. Uh, But unfortunately, she died. Now, she was crossing mid-street. Uh, she had crossed from behind one streetcar and walked right into the, 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 the front of, of the, the one I was on. I think there is a lot of problems with people crossing mid-street. The other problem is I'd be interested in the age group because I know that people who thought they could get across the street easily when they were 40 are still trying these games when they're 75 and 80 and they're not quite as quick. So that's my take on that. And when you add in phones and music, no wonder we have a problem. Okay, okay Pat, thanks for that. I have well, one, one comment on the fraud, though. I have a friend who was driving his van, and he had a man jump in front of the van. The insurance company, rather than fight the case in court, paid out forty grand. And this is a major, major problem in our province, if not across North America. Okay, Pat, thanks for that. Uh, 65 years ago, I I don't know what we learned from that, though I'm assuming that part of the problem is that people do, uh, they don't only cross at crosswalks and and lights. Well, we definitely have um, an issue with jaywalking in the city, and we have to keep in mind, obviously, that the city is getting more and more congested. There's more and more public events. Um, there was Nuit Blanche. Um, uh, there was accidents at Nuit Blanche several years ago um, involving streetcar, a streetcar. Um, and you have pedestrians, and they're out in a public event. They're walking. There's lots of women wearing heels. They are, Brad's absolutely right, there's tracks that they should be on, and those tracks in and of themselves, unfortunately, are hazards at overpopulated events. And, uh, you know, the fact that a streetcar can't stop on a dime is a problem, especially when they have the same um, speed requirements as a car does. And I'm going to bring in Sean from Walk Toronto. Sean Marshall is a co-founder of Walk Toronto, which is a pedestrian advocacy group. And Sean, what's your take? Uh, you know, whether you do see this as a random cluster of these incidents, or or is there something more behind this in your view? Uh, good afternoon. Yeah. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So there's yeah, there's uh, three streetcar um, incidents resulting in either uh, injury or death in the last uh, last couple of days. The first, you know, the one at, um, I can speak to the one at Queen East and Hamilton Avenue that happened on October 8th, and this is involving a cyclist. The issue here, one of the issues that, that, we, that I'd like to bring up is that, um, and often we do not have safe pedestrian cycling infrastructure that can best accommodate uh, uh, vulnerable road users, such as pedestrian cyclists. Um, 
when you look at Queen East there in Hamilton Avenue, that's between Broadview and the Don River. You have two streetcar routes going through there, the Queen and the King cars. And it's a very it's a narrow street that carries a lot of traffic. And if you're riding a bicycle, there's not uh, there's not many options in that area to get across the Don River. You go all the way down to Lake Shore Boulevard, where there is a a, 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 a path. You, you there's the Richmond Adelaide ramps that go into Eastern Avenue, and that's high speed ramps. That's not a safe place for pedestrians or cyclists. You have the Queen Street there, and then you, you have to go all the way up to um, Dunnass and then and then Gerard. Um, there's not many um, good options there, so and we know that streetcar tracks. Like I've been, I've um, rode a bicycle myself and got stuck in the streetcar tracks and was injured there. They can be quite dangerous, um, though. I think as a as a pedestrian uh, advocacy group um, and, and someone who bikes around the city as well, what we like to promote is say our safe. Um, easy and effective path for pedestrians and cyclists. And, uh, and sometimes what we see is that a Queen, Queen East, for example, that could be approved. Um, I can, you know, there's, there's the other. So you're saying people. that it's the design of the, of the streets is has some, definitely has some, uh, effect on this. You know, we've had the three instances here of all the streetcars, but I also like to point out that over uh, so far in 2018, 32 pedestrians have been killed in Toronto. Yep. Most of those have been in the suburbs with high speeds. Many now we're hearing more instances of hit and runs where a, a, a motorist hits a pedestrian or a cyclist and then takes off afterwards. Well, we, there's just one that happened the other night. They're still looking right. for the woman. Uh, right. But but uh, so. So you're saying that it is the design. You're not. Um, you're not saying that it has anything to do with any other factor. Am I getting um, you right? Um, it's it design's a huge part of it, and and, and, a, and a, a proper uh, Vision Zero um, traffic plan, traffic safety plan, would help in, in some of these cases. Now the the case now what happened on October first uh, on a streetcar right of way. Um, I can't speak to exactly what happened because I don't know exactly what happened. That was on a streetcar right away. There are, there's a, um, a crosswalk there with lights. Um, that is a, that is a place where, um, that is a reserve spot for streetcars. And, and sometimes, uh, pedestrians may, may not do the, the safe and, and, and right choice. Uh, let me just uh, run something by Brad a second here. He mentioned a streetcar right-of-way. Mm-hmm. Wasn't the idea of these right-of-ways that it would make everything safer by separating? Well, it, it, it does with respect to um, automobiles. And, and it, so safety is part of a right-of-ways plan. It's also uh, to, to make transit a much more attractive uh, option because you can often, you know, be, be rumbling along St. Clair on a streetcar passing uh, cars in traffic. And so we want people to obviously make, we want to make, tra- uh, make transit more attractive to people uh, as an option for, with respect to reliability and, um, and, and, and journey times. Um, unfortunately, uh, with some of these uh, rights of way, um, like St. Clair and Spadina, for example, where we see many of the uh, collisions with pedestrians, is that, uh, as Sean noted, uh, people are, are making um, 
you know, choices that they that they would regret later because they're treating them almost like uh, safe havens as they're crossing the street. As it's, it's it's an island. You you see some of these uh, in the suburbs on on large. I, I have to crossings. confess, I've done that a few times. Right, and yeah. so you know, and and so it, as I was saying earlier, these streetcars, uh, you know, don't uh, don't have have greater stopping distances than automobiles and uh, may not realize that you know as the streetcar is approaching um it you know that it, it is approaching at a much quicker speed than, than than you realize and so that's why as i said earlier we've moved our stops uh, the mid-block stops to to controlled intersections whether they're lights or crosswalks stacy you've been nodding your head um <laughs> Obviously, we appreciate all um, steps to protect uh, the public. One thing I wanted to uh, address, uh, Mr. Ross, again, was, you know, I I appreciate the comment that you made earlier about there being fraudulent claims or misleading claims. And I can assure you, anybody who walks into my office um, doesn't want to be there. And so the goal isn't to be adversarial with you. The goal is that we work collaboratively collaboratively together to, you know, initiate some change. And, you know, we'd be happy to cooperate with the TTC to tell your experiences with um, clients. And, you know, you you need to address, you need to acknowledge the fact that these tracks are in and of themselves causing a risk for for a lot of pedestrians and they're tripping on them and you know something that somebody who could have possibly navigated those tracks successfully even though they were jaywalking even though that that section was um you know had those little separations they can fall and that ttc will streetcar will not stop on a dime and you and i both know that and it doesn't end is there anything planned to make the tracks safer brad well We've looked at this in the past. There have been instances, you know, over the, over time where cyclists' uh, wheels, for example, get caught yes. in the tracks. And, um, and, and, and so let me just say a couple of things. I would, you know, first of all, I, I, I completely agree um, that that there are people, of course, who have legitimate claims and injuries, and those are the ones that we absolutely uh, will work to to ensure that that we do the right thing. Uh, But the fact of the matter is that a number of people have dash cams these days because a lot of people don't do the right thing, and so uh, they they try to to milk the TTC for whatever reason. And that's why we have the external cameras. One of the reasons why we have the external cameras is is, is to ensure that the liability is dealt with. With respect to the tracks, you know, it's we've had streetcars in the city for more than a century now, and and yes, the tracks uh, can pose um, uh, problems for you know crossing a street in in certain footwear and cyclists. I'm not sure we have a a solution to that other than you know continuing to to educate and 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 make people aware uh, of the tracks themselves that they are part of this city that they are part of the city's infrastructure infrastructure and and to Sean's point um, to have safe cycling infrastructure and safe pedestrian pedestrian infrastructure is something the TTC uh, wholly subscribes to. Okay, uh, let's bring in uh, Mike uh, Mike in Etobicoke. Hello, Mike. Hi, good afternoon, good afternoon, another beautiful day. I just yep. have two quick comments and then a question for Brad. So my comments are about, oh, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, there was some discussion as just to get rid of the streetcars altogether, and the reason why that they were kept was because 
they you know produced uh, very little uh, you know toxins you know there there was no emissions but i'm just wondering if we had gone to electric buses they would have been able to move around traffic jams they wouldn't have had to been so so steadfast in those tracks and my, and my second comment is uh, i bought this car back in 1980 it had skinny little tires and i was able to stick it in the tracks and i didn't have to steer from like uh, st joseph's hospital right to ronsonville it was great. It just steered in the track. <laughs> that was then, and th- and this is now. And my question for Brad is, Brad, are, are, is the TDC heading towards, uh, if they're going to put external cameras on, are they heading towards any of these motion detection, you know, automatic sensors, which will automatically, you know, stop the streetcars if somebody steps in front? And why don't we have, like, protections, like barriers on the bottom, like scoops, so at least we can scoop a passenger out of the way? I know that sounds really, you know, uh, uh, it, it doesn't sound good, but at least it would keep them from being run over, crushed. Okay, right? let him respond. <laughs> so a couple of things that you raised. Um, uh, maybe you don't want me to address the e-buses or the electric buses versus streetcars. We are actually getting electric buses. As, uh, we are, in fact, moving to an all-electric bus fleet uh, over the next uh, couple of decades. Um, a streetcar decision to keep streetcars was a policy decision ultimately, and so here we are. They're not going away anytime soon, at least for the, not for the next 30 years. There are skirts uh, on uh, on our new streetcars, uh, absolutely. But um, you know whether they can prevent um, uh, somebody from um, you know, they, well, they can't certainly prevent anybody from being struck by a streetcar with respect to getting caught in the undercarriage of the streetcar. Uh, these are the designs. We we have to be mindful of uh, of hills and that uh, you do need to have some clearance under the streetcar for streetcars to to climb those hills and and debris that may be on the roadway and snow, for example, uh, in the winter. So there are design limitations to the streetcars in terms of, of how much we can do to, to protect people who do come in contact with a streetcar. Uh, as for sensors on the roadway, uh, it's an interesting idea, although, you know, uh, a couple of the, the cases of, of the last few weeks, uh, they were so immediate and so sudden that, that, uh, that, that there's nothing that would have stopped that streetcar in time, uh, unfortunately. Okay, yeah, we're basically out of time on this. Stacy. what would you like to leave us with? Um, I think anything that we can all do um, to avoid further tragedies from happening in this city involving any sort of public transit would be um, incredible. And uh, I think there's a lot of work still to do. Okay, and uh, Sean? Yes, well, everybody's a pedestrian, and... Uh, pedestrians often are hit at the bus stops as well, trying to get to their transit. So anything that uh, TDC can do, anything that the city trial can do to advance pedestrian cyclist safety infrastructure and education is is always is always something we push for at Walk Toronto. Okay, and uh, Brad, finally, before you go, the mayor has asked for a full report on this. Uh, do you expect uh, him to be able to draw any conclusions other than what we've heard here? Well, we'll we'll we're we're looking at all of this now, and and uh, and and we will report to our board. We will report to city council as as required. Nothing is more important to the TTC than safety. We have you know uh, men and women who operate our vehicles, and believe me, when when these things happen, they are uh, they are traumatized by it. it. Everybody is affected, from the victim who is struck to their families and friends, and to and to our employees. And so we all, uh, to Sean's point, we all have a vet. We're all pedestrians. Some of us are cyclists as well, and we all have a vested interest in in maintaining a safe uh, transportation infrastructure in, in this 
ever-growing city. Okay. Thank you all for that. Uh, I hope this is an issue we won't have to revisit anytime soon. People, if we couldn't get to your calls, remember Free For All Friday is coming up. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.